Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm here with my friend Yak- Yaksa. Hmm, that's even better. That's Raksa- the other guy. <laughs> that's the other triplet. Raksa Yin. And I'm um, Raksa and I actually have met in person. He has been, he's helped me at Creative South volunteer and we do a bunch of other things during the year together. And so I'm really, really excited. And um, he has blown me away. He is humble. He is has huge faith when things don't always work out. But he also, he's young, but he has pushed into things. And he has more responsibilities because of that. So if you're like, ah, oh, he's just some young punk coming out and doing this stuff. I think he is, he's not a punk at all. I don't think you're a punk, right? You don't think you're a punk. Would you want to be a punk? I wouldn't mind being a punk. Like, look okay. at the setup behind me. Okay. So maybe, but he is, he's full of love. He's full of helping people. And, but he, when somebody gives him an opportunity, he absolutely takes it. So I know that there have been times when I'm like, yeah, I don't really want that. I don't want to do that. I don't feel ready. I don't know if any of you guys in the chat could relate. If you're saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, that's me. I've definitely said, hey, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You know, don't don't put me in, right? Don't put me in, coach. I'm not ready. And I think I've said that. But to me, Raxa doesn't do that. Raxa's like, oh, wow, they want me to do this. I guess I'm going to do it. And I just think that that's really amazing. So we're going to talk about ri- being risk tolerant and risk averse. So, um, and Iwana's here from Transylvania. So it's good to see you. Okay. Raxa, give, I, I, I know I've known you for maybe three or four years. Yeah. And um, I've seen you, I think when I met you, maybe you were working at Huge and then you yeah. went to Deloitte. And then was there something in between that and where you are now? No. Yeah. Okay. You've been involved with AIGA. You've started things with your church. You've been um i remember when you uh you put on conferences that you had never put on a conference at all ever right um and just guys remember make sure your two your little blue thing says two panelists and attendees or only raxa and i can read your stuff and iwana can't see matt loving on her so okay (laughs) so okay i want you to give them you're in dc um, give them a little bit of your background. Like, did you study design? And then you have been able to move forward fairly quickly in, in your career. But I think it's because you're, you've said yes to opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it would just be a good time to, uh, I could take over, have a little slideshow for everybody to walk oh, through great. a bit about my story and about risk. Um, sounds good. That sounds awesome. I'd love to see it. All right. I'm Brian gonna... White is here coming in from Kansas. It's good to see it's, everybody. It's Thank you guys so, nice. so much for for making it. We do yes. this every week. Yeah. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm Raxa Yin. Hello, Design Recharge. So nice to see everyone. Um, at least your username in the chat and everything. But uh, a bit about me. Um, yeah, I received my Bachelor of Graphic Design at the Corcoran School of Art and Design in the Washington, uh, D.C., it's actually the school is right next to the White House. It was kind of funny to find a art school in the DC area right there. After my studies, I and then even during my studies, I worked at a uh, local and international design agencies, consultancies like uh, yeah, graphic is where I started out my career uh, after college. And then I went to Huge Deloitte, and nowadays I am a VP designer at J.P. Morgan. 
uh, creating digital experiences uh, in financial services. Uh, I'm still in the DC area, honing my craft here, but like everybody, I think we're all driving in a remote working world. And so you've got a job stuff. in a remote world, right? Like you're going to yes. talk to us about that, like how you navigated oh, man. getting a new job doing all online interviews, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something else I'm happy to share about, just how a remote virtual uh, interviewing and onboarding was like for me, at least. And more about me is uh, I was born in Thailand um, and to a son of refugees and then raised in Philly. And so I have some pictures here of me with some kids. I, I love volunteering as well. And so this is one fall of working with kids in uh, Chinatown, Philadelphia. I do, since we are a bunch of creative and designer, I do have some samples of my work, just so you all, you all know what I'm up to. Um, here's some past work from the past couple of years. By day, I enjoy UI, UX design, whatever the label is nowadays, but I love product design, design system, and rapid prototyping. Uh, some of my past clients were from healthcare, transportation, rural, electric, and pharmaceutical. And so here's just some nice mock-ups, some desktops, some mobile screens of some of the things I've created in the past couple of years. Um, some more stuff is, uh, I started graphic design. I still love, love doing it uh, when I get the chance to. And so in the past and outside of work, uh, I've done things like designing a skateboard on the top left corner, which was the first project I did at my internship after college. Wasn't but, that hanging on your wall at some point? Yeah, and I was, that was just I like, a, oh I have a coffee. <laughs> That's um. I, I just thought it was a cool thing he had on his wall, right? Uh, but it wasn't. It he made it, and I was like, "What?" Anyway, okay, keep <laughs> keep going. Yeah. No, I definitely one of my favorite project. Really, a really fun one. No, yeah. Just here's some other pieces of work, and that's Diane mentioned on the top right corner. I do design for a Southern Baptist conference in Georgia, and I've been there, kind of like pseudo creative director and even lead organizer for that with a small team and. Uh, on the bottom left, I'm surprised in my career, I was tasked to draw a unicorn for a uh, federal student aid. And on the bottom right, some branding work for the AIJ National for one of their initiatives called Emerge. Um, and the last bit of work is that uh, I love doing typography. I love you know playing with letter form and composition. So whether it's on Procreate or on a bottom left corner, playing with clay, that was a fun little project I did one year. And so I like drawing random words or letter, uh, lyrics from songs and quotes from shows like Stranger Things on the top right corner. What and makes so, you love type? I keep reach, I keep using the Yeti and it's dead. I keep oh, leaning no. over to it. I can just do this. What makes you love type? It's just interesting. Like, let's say like a letter A could be executed in so many different ways. But still, like, one can read it like, oh, that's an A, <laughs> you know, at least in the English language. And so you can see, like, the variety of R's in this composition or the variety of E's. Um, yes, they structurally look the same at their bare bones, but some are squished, some are uh, extended wide, some have more frills. And so typography, just it's something really fun. It's not a career at the moment, but it's something I just love to just meditate and, and do on the side on my, so on it's my really iPad. It's relaxing to you. I mean, I the clay one is amazing. I'm so glad like I see the other tools because otherwise I just thought it was like the iPad. So I'm so glad you have that photo in there. <laughs> anyway, your type is amazing and the way you yeah. combine like how the E is with the L and it's hugged by that L. Oh, I love that. Okay, keep going. I just had to stop and give you some kudos. That's where awesome. my head is. Like, yeah, Ken, I love when an L like it's kind of like a forklift like picks up a letter. It's just like, that's kind of like my cheat. And you might see it, that's like a pattern here. And so, yeah, typography is really fun. And so, yeah, that's a bit about my back of my work. I, I, I guess I do a little bit of everything. 
um, and just love doing it all. And I just love design and creativity. And I'm, I'm so glad to be in this world. And so next, I'm just going to share a bit more stories about my life and kind of dive into this topic of risk uh, tolerance. And so I want to share some stories. And so I kind of, this next couple of slides, I have my life kind of broken down into four chapters. Chapter one, my early years and how I kind of was introduced to risk. And so I was introduced to risk or a hello to risk from learning about my parents' immigration story and my country's uh, Holocaust. I'm Cambodian, by the way. And in the 70s, uh, a bit history lesson, a dictator took over the country and caused a genocide. It, it really was terrible years uh, for, the, for those people. And it's important for me to know my heritage and where, where I came from. Uh, my parents, my father was an army general and my mother was, uh, was a young girl. And they somehow escaped Cambodia and fled to uh, Thailand. And I'm grateful that they survived. I mean, that's a big risk. You know, um, I won't dive too deep into it, but I recommend anybody else to learn about that, that, you know, when you're trying to escape the dictatorship and, all, and uh, the army surrounding them, uh, leaving a country and trying to get seen, like a call, you could literally get killed. And so my parents met at a refugee camp and I'm glad they met because they had my siblings and I, and we were born uh, there along the border of Thailand. How many kids, so, how many kids are in your family? Yeah, I, I'm a triplet, but, but we're the youngest. I have three older brothers and one big sister. And so a pretty big family and we're all pretty spread out in ages. And so, yeah, come from a big family. If anyone else comes from a big family, say woo in the chat. <laughs> At a young age, I learned early on about sacrifice, courage, and doing whatever it takes to survive. Uh, we immigrated here in the States in the early 90s. And so, uh, again, I'm grateful for my parents who came over to a country and knew so little English, uh, leave behind their home and settled here in the States. And so I learned from them to do my best and not take life uh, for granted. And so for How me, old were you? when you? Were you alive? I was alive. I was only like a year and a month old. I was able to track down uh, a letter that my dad wrote down. It's like a little journal of like, we came here in April of 93. And so my birthday's in March. And so, March and also by the way, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm a 90, 92 kid. <laughs> and also, yeah. See the, that awesome math I did? Mm, anyway, keep going. <laughs> yes. The pieces on the right are lettering I did of my parents, so like father's, mother's, mother's day, just to honor them. And again, playing with that typography. And so again, uh, that, that joy of creativity and play. And so this, this next chapter, which I'm calling like the youth years. And uh, it's a years where I kind of like start learning, learning my own owning, or I guess learning, writing my own story and learning more of how to navigate. And so uh, this is going to be a little more lighthearted uh, compared to the last chapter, but I fell in love with creativity at a young age. Creativity allowed me to turn imagination into results that take uh, time and talent. Um, my childhood mentor, uh, Donna Bernick, uh, told me time cannot be returned. And so everything I create, you know, you know that, would, that would take time, I hope will be fruitful. Um, and I guess creativity, there's some risks there. It's just You're just going to iterate and hopefully something good come out of it. And so from a young age, and let me say from like kindergarten, all the way through high school, creativity allowed me to make some sort of mark on this earth. And so taking risks for me was going into the unknown. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's, going to be, that's kind of part of it. And so in, for, in middle school and elementary school, I was, uh, that's when I started becoming like an artist or creative, drawing cartoons and then playing with blocks and shapes, physical blocks and shapes to create abstract landscape. I was trying to find a photo for my, it's my teacher and he couldn't find it. Um, but also at the same time, I also got into music. And some of y'all who know me 
know that I love music as well, or being a musician. Um, and so I was first a clarinetist at a young age. So I don't know if there's anybody else out there who were a Winwood or, you know, an orchestra. So shout out to being an orchestra for, and so performance art even got me in front of crowds and got me to like, okay, I need to overcome like stage fright and like do my, play my instrument. And I was playing, I've been playing instruments since I was like in third grade. Uh, I felt, what is that 10? I don't know, 11. Hey, can we guess which one you are? Are you? Can I guess? To be honest, the baby photo at, on the top right is still the mystery. I can kind of guess who's who. Okay, well, um, what about the, the older one? I think that you're, I think I'm with Shane, that you're in the middle with the spiked hair in the bottom. Is that you? <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. I I think this is, I think it's one-to-one right here. Yeah, so that's that's all of us as infant and all of us as awkward teenagers on the bomb. Uh, bottom <laughs> okay I love it okay keep going yeah. going to more awkward faces stuff here me and my brother with some crazy haircuts in our band I, I was lucky to go to an art and design high school as well and there I was able to dabble even more into different mediums so so in this season of I'm still learning so like where can I go with creativity where can I go with this 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 skill that I'm trying to hone and so I immersed myself in more into art and design and more into music. I, I started my high school band as a senior. This is this picture was during our senior show. And by the way, how why I was dressed up, I was also going to prom immediately after the show. So that was a pretty busy night um, to do so much. Another thing I did in, uh, in high school was I spent my Saturday mornings going to a pre-college program at a uh, local city university. And so I did oil painting, industrial design, screen printing, a lot of different art and design courses on Saturdays. Um, I could spend my time behind a TV, internet, or with friends, but I took on a six day of classes. And I just hope that even at the time, I hope this is time well spent. And so for me, like the, the lesson here during those years was like a season of risk taking will be a season of, of growth. Okay, I have a question. So, so yeah. is that always even like were your brothers like that too? Like the were the three of y'all all like that? Did y'all all take classes or just you? It was just me. Um, the brother that's in that picture, he did it for one one uh, semester. I did it for three years. Um, I was think I was blessed with a scholarship from the university. They, you know, students who want to take classes on the Saturdays but couldn't afford it, you know, apply for a scholarship. And I was given a scholarship to cover art supplies and cover the classes. And so I applied every semester, starting from my sophomore year, fall, all the way to the end of like my senior year at in the fall season. So yeah, I guess two or three years. And so that's what I did on Saturdays from like nine to two, which is immersing myself in the, art, in the arts. Love it. This next chapter, uh, maturing, this is where my college days. So naturally after, naturally at 17 years old or graduating high school, college is the next step. And so I love art and design. And I was like, oh, there's this thing called art school or art university college and things. And so let me go there. Uh, I was glad to be accepted to a couple art and design schools in like DC, Boston, California, but I decided to plant myself in DC. I actually wanted to continue this route of being an artist. Um, doing screen printing and fine art, but um, my school didn't have that uh, as a major and also my scholarship wouldn't cover that kind of program. So I stumbled upon this thing called graphic design and I had some idea like, what is this graphic design? 
and so I picked that one over like other uh, other programs like uh, animation or or photography. And so fast forward, I have no regret going to graphic design. I, I think about this. I share this story or I think about this moment a lot. And like you know, it really would have shone a dark. I really did not know what after four years what could graphic design do for me. And um, I thought I wanted to be an artist. I thought I wanted to study uh, screen printing. But I guess what was destined for me wasn't. What I wanted wasn't what was destined for me, and so um, during college I had a bunch of random design jobs. Um, okay, not so, so random, but like I freelance for a career coach, work at a small design agency, a church, and a global financial uh, institution. In those years, the risk was like I just want to put myself out there to make opportunities possible for me. Do you think you were an extrovert? I'm in between. I have my moments. I, I need my me time. Yeah. So was it hard to put your out put yourself out there, or was it because you just kept doing it over and over that it got easier? No, it wasn't. I wish it was easy. I definitely had to coach myself a ton and really kind of like do some pep talk or something, look in the mirror, you know, slap my cheeks or something, uh, rehearse my my slides or and things, and just like I, I have the skills, I can do this, I could bring something to the team, and I'm also stay humble that the team could teach me as well. So that's important. That's important because other people can do that too. So we got to slap our face. I don't know how hard, <laughs> but um, we got to like, we got to psych ourselves up and you have to practice is what I heard. Those are three yeah. things. I slap myself when I'm really tired, when I'm driving. That's the only time I slap myself. I'll try it when I'm scared. <laughs> okay, keep going. Yeah. yeah, and it's okay to talk to yourself. You know, you may look crazy, but at least you're not going to sound crazy once you're ready to, you know, be extroverted or talk and sell something or uh, show your ideas. <laughs> um, continuing on in this chapter, um, after graduating college, I personally wanted my first two years to, in the design industry to be very meaningful. And so what what's great about having brothers, we also created sibling rivalries or more like a bet. And so we, we kind of made a bet of, okay, of the three of us, we all kind of graduate around the same time. And we are like, hey, in 10 years, how successful will, will, will we be? We didn't really put a, a number to it. We just, we kind of maybe guess like maybe it's awards or maybe it's a, a title or, and and so we're just like, okay, cool. Well, we're all the same age. We'll see how, you know, we're in different industries. My brothers are not, well, one is an architect, one is not a designer or any creative, but um, that, that bet and it kind of really kind of helped me like, all right, let's, let's do this. So how did yeah. you define success back then then? So, so okay, so you have one brother that's a math teacher, I think, right? And he's uh, a missionary he, maybe? Yeah, or, yeah, he okay. was a math teacher, yes. <laughs> but now he's a missionary full-time? Yes. Okay, and then you have another brother who's an architect? Oh, that same brother, the math teacher, missionary, he studied architecture, same brother. Okay, so what about the other brother? Uh, he's in a community nonprofit, a community development nonprofit. Okay, and education. So how, at that time, how did y'all, how did you define success? What was going to be success then? It, like I said, it wasn't like salary or, or a job title. I, I think it was maybe, maybe living conditions or how would we feel about our life uh, in like in 10 years or by the time we're 30 or something. It's more like, because uh, we grew up in the hood in North Philadelphia and uh, around us wasn't the most inspiring like neighborhood or inspiring, inspiring environments. You know, we felt like, with even the older folks in our life when we were in teenagers they're like oh you're gonna like you're from the hood you're gonna stay in the hood you know you're, you're not gonna get out of it but thankful we're thankful to like the churches that we're a part of and mentors we had at a young age that said like hey 
you're not trapped here. You can go somewhere else. You have skills, you have talents. Yeah, a mentor, mentors, even teachers acknowledge that I had something with had something with creativity, whether it's art or design or something. Like they knew creativity was going to be something big in my life. You know, they just couldn't like say like you're going to be a designer or an art director or something or or run an agency. And so my brothers and I, even the three of us, we were we gave each other confidence. You know, so having a, a group of people that just acknowledge each other and and recognize the skills that uh, one another has and know that like okay, I know you, we're living in North Philly but no, we're not going to stay here. We can totally find opportunities out there. And we definitely had to make the opportunity possible for us. And so, yeah. And so, it's, so yeah, yeah. Our, our, our success wasn't measured on like, you know, okay, being a millionaire. No, it was more like, can we get, really just get out of Philly and can we put ourselves and contribute and make a bigger impact in this world in whatever way we think it is through design, through a through missionary or through a nonprofit in South Philadelphia. Did any of your brothers or you ever deal with that mental battle of, man, they're doing so awesome and I'm sucking? Or did any of them, and, and you can always use the safe word as rooster and I'll just move on. That's the <laughs> safe word. No, I, I don't think so. We we try to be more of listening to one another with, with this battle or this rivalry. We never, I, never, I don't think we ever felt envious of one another, at least at least into my, to my face. <laughs> and so we, we try our best to be encouraging. There was many times where we call each other and ask for a, a pick me up or ask for strength or prayer. And like, you know, it was great to have a brother that just tell you like, you got this, you, you overcome this before you can overcome it again. I love that. I think Shane Helm, yeah. he has like a team. He, I, he has <laughs> like so many people in his family so that I think it's really important. I think my mom's yeah. one of 11. So I think that having that, that group is really Powerful. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I keep. Yeah, Jane and six, six kids. Six. Got... Whatever. It's like eighty. He has like eighty <laughs> kids. People. I'm just kidding. Jane. Keep going. Yeah. So like, I was able to accomplish a lot actually within my first two years. Pictured here is two months after graduating college, I participated in a a DC design battle, competing against four other designers in this like Iron Chef kind of competition where every round is just three, four rounds, and every round someone's going to get cut. And you're at the last two face to face. And I was surprised that like, I won this design battle. And wait, and wait, just... wait. Oh, wait. I didn't even know about this design battle thing. So you yeah. had enough confidence. So I would have been like, oh, no, I'm never doing that. I'm not confident enough, <laughs> even though I think I'm an okay designer. But like, what was it that you were just like, oh, it's a challenge. Like, this is risk tolerance in action early. How old were you? 25, 20? No, I was only uh, 22. <laughs> 22. So was it just sheer um, at 22, you don't know anything and you're like, I can do that. I can rock it. Yeah. Or, or was it something yeah. else? No, I just, I saw the opportunity, the, the, the agency, there's an agency they call out on Twitter and like, Hey, tweet us back if you want to participate. And I'm like looking at the requirements and they had some people, uh, some participants uh, competitor booked on the website. I was like, you know what, let me uh, just tweet them. And I tweeted them and they emailed me like, Hey, you and actually like on the Monday, like, hey, can you participate this Friday at this live design battle? I was like, oh shoot, I have four days to 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 prep. And so like, yes. And I was, you know, I was a young designer, and I I, I similar to what I I guess they're going into art school. Like I I want to immerse myself into this industry, or actually when I get out of college, I I just you know what, let me put myself out there in the design community because it was a live event. People showed up to this agency and like watch you and your screen and you moving your your mouse and everything designing on the fly and so it's it just i always think more just i didn't think about the prize and i 
so the prize was a Wacom tablet. I was like, ooh, which I still have. And I'm still using here and there. But um, yeah, for me, it was just like, I really want to put myself out there, kind of be part of this design community in this, like in my own city and see where things go. Um, I, I wasn't trying to think of like win or lose and not try to beat myself up afterwards. Just like, this was a great growing opportunity. And so some more um, successes, I guess, or uh, accomplishments were that, um, remember that, that skate deck I mentioned earlier? So that was like the first project I did as a design intern at my agency within that first month. And I just like, okay, I'm just illustrate the skateboard real quick and just on to the next project. Well, it's my agency, the agency submitted to a bunch of like competition and it won a bunch of awards. So it's published in a lot of different design magazines, um, like communication arts and print and uh, a couple other. And so, and here's me winning the award for AJ50, one of 50 designers in the DC area. Uh, with this unique award for design for good because the skateboard was a nonprofit piece and, and so i just did that skateboard just to do it because I just, that was my job but i appreciate that people that folks recognize and design uh, industry leaders recognize that this is like really cool cool work and so here's me with my big hooray uh, winning this award and also that same year i i got my dream job at an agency and so um, I thought I wasn't going to be working there until like five more years. I really wanted really experienced designers, but uh, I got a call, an email from a recruiter and he, you know, asked for a chat and then I got an offer. I'm like, oh, I'm working at a place that I really want to work at since I was in college. So what was a dream job to you at that point? What, and, and what were you going to be doing? So, cause you do a lot of web, you do a lot of UX, yeah. UI. So what was, what was a dream job to you at that time? Yeah. I mean, a dream job would have been like working at a international design agency, working with brands, big name brands like at Google or a, you know um, uh, an Apple or something like. And so you know, there's several agencies out there that kind of have that clientele. And so this agency had that clientele, and I knew that anybody that worked there had to be really polished and really you know a good designer. And so I really want to work there, but the opportunity, but the opportunity came in sooner than I thought, and I'm just like surprise you know um, I don't think my name is easy to find or like, you don't randomly just search for Raxa on Google and then find my portfolio you know or look at DC graphic designers or something and I, I'm just blown away just when those things kind of come and I just couldn't say no and you know I, I left one design agency job for another design agency job and I grew a ton at that at that dream agency now this is the last chapter um, that's still being written that's, that's happening right now and so as we kind of learn from my stories. I always, always had this mentality to not see failure as a setback, but as a growing opportunity. Uh, I don't know if it was from a talk or an article, but I learned the terminology growth mindset. You know, this mindset is seeing failure as an opportunity to grow. And the opposite would be a fixed mindset, which is seeing failure as your limits. And around the same time, I also learned the phrase abundance mindset, which is seeing the glass half full and you know, having a more optimistic view of the situation and the opposite of abundance is scarcity, which is seeing glass half empty and you know you step back in fear during hard times. And so when I learned this definition, it was really good to put a label into how I think and how I develop. And so overall, I felt like you know how I operate is just I operate in a level of learning. And so like I, I would recommend all of you to look into growth and abundance mindset as well. I mean, I still do feel failure here and there, and but. Uh, in these events of that occurrence, I do have to tell myself that it's an opportunity to grow, opportunity to learn. Uh, and so I had this uh, quote that we see on a slide from Henry Matisse, and it's on my uh, my coffee mug. 
that creativity uh, takes courage. Uh, and that kind of sums up my, my career journey so far and why I take risk. And the question below is actually a quote from uh, Rodney Scott on uh, chef tables. And he asked himself this question um, during his morning walks, what did I do yesterday that I can improve uh, today? And I really like that question a lot. Um, I, I do like a, a to-do list every day for work and I have a to-do list for everything else. Um, I, I'm a person that like checking boxes because I show progress, um, but in order to check those boxes, it does take uh, productivity and courage to accomplish them. And, and here's some photos, just like me on a panel and me showing my, my work to students at a local university and just putting myself out there and sharing my story. Okay, wait, I gotta say something about this picture. It looks like you might've not been Unless Regina can write her name so, so well, it looks like maybe you had to do your own like little uh, card. So they're like, hey, we need a panelist. Can you do this? Again, this they, is saying yes, maybe. I mean, I could be reading into this and maybe. Oh, no, that, that was a typo. Uh, no, the, the, on the other side of my side of the fold had the K and the S uh, swap. So it was, Ros it was Roska. And oh. I told the professor, like, yeah, there's a typo on this. And so I had to rewrite my name on the other side of the paper. Um, thankfully, it wasn't as bad as Russell, as uh, Shane put it in the chat. <laughs> that's okay. I called you the wrong thing for two years. And you're finally like, that's not how you say my name. I was like, what? You, I've been yeah. saying your name wrong. So please, people, if I say your name wrong, I just want to say it right. So, no, don't worry. This, there might be... There's a couple other people that might say the same thing. And so I, I'm going to kind of wrap up here and get to more questions in a bit. But I got this advice from a friend, uh, Fabian. Um, turn your energy, uh, turn the energy from your anxiety into energy of excitement. We were, we were meeting during that season where I was let go from a job. And um, it was my absolute low. And I felt like a failure. Um, but he, he shared with me this quote. And even when I, I shared with him the news, he was like, congratulations. And I'm like, why are you saying congratulations? <laughs> But um, I'm, I'm not like a, a mindset like expert per se, but sometimes uh, during these hard moments, hard times, we need to shift uh, our perspective to see the outcome of possibilities. You know, anxiety to me was my fixed mindset that will, that helped me back to thinking I could be more, but changing it into a different kind of energy, different kind of attitude, I, I felt like I could do anything. I really appreciate Fabian and him being part of my life and sharing this quote with me. And I, I want to share this with all of you too. And so in, in wrapping up, uh, all of those phrases kind of I showed in my chapter, I kind of live out these phrases every day. You know, every day is a hello to risk and a hello to challenges. Um, deep down, I do my job to make my parents proud, but I also do this to tell a story of a kid who came from North Philly and your kid and your creativity. Uh, he has the, the possibility of a abundant future. So um, someone that could look like that looks like me could do what I do. Um, I, I take risks to see if I am successful or I need to learn. I'm, and uh, as I've been sharing my journey, I'm surprised when I am, I guess, success, successful or something, I, I grow tremendously or get um, recognized for my hard work. But I, I wanna share with all of you that whether you win or lose today, you are growing and you're not the same person as you were the day before. And so for me, facing a risk uh, takes courage and it leads to opportunities and uh, a better me. So I have some questions and if you guys have questions, I will, um, I can um, actually ask them. So that's what's great about uh, Design Recharge. I try to read your questions and ask those as well. You can always send them to me before, but 
Um, me and you are in a Bible study, and Brian, if you don't mind, if you're listening and maybe working, you can pop it into the chat. It's called A Prayer for Designers, so if you ever need a prayer, you can actually send a tweet, and you can, I saw you there, I just didn't know if you were paying attention, Brian, um, but if you can put it, like the Prayer for Designers, I think it's prayerfordesigners.com, and then there's a Slack channel, and there's, you can tweet to whatever, and we will pray for you. Thank you. And I'll put that link underneath as well. But Rexa and I met there. And so it's a weekly thing that we do on Tuesdays. I kind of took last year off. Sorry about that. Uh, but um, I remember when you lost your job. Can you just take them through this? Because this, is, this was a big thing. And you were like, you weren't expecting it. So just take us through a little bit of that mindset. So this could be a big client that we have a retainer with. Mm -hmm. If we are, you know, solopreneurs, we have a retainer with that just all of a sudden ended. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it's kind of in that same, can you take us through that and what you thought and then how you got through it, how you just, just kept at it. Yeah, after? yeah no, totally. I mean, I mean that I can remember that thir that Thursday morning at 10 AM getting, having a one-on-one meeting with my former creative director and telling me the news and by 10 30 you're home in your bedroom and just like wow i'm not doing my job right now um i thought i was a failure i thought i did something wrong um like um, at the time my identity was revolved around a company name and when i was stripped away from that i was so unsure of where and what to do and who i am and then and also like then you think of the other times you might have felt like i lost a freelance client or missed a deadline and or disappointed a, a colleague and so you just add this absolute low place but i i had to like give myself that pat down i need to slap my face slap my cheeks a little bit i'm sorry there's like a dumpster truck outside in case you hear it but i i moped and i cried for a little bit but i had to pick myself up and i went to the episode i bought myself a new laptop and started working on my portfolio and, and that time off was great um, because I never gave myself a proper vacation. So I traveled and I enjoyed the world and um, I biked around San Francisco and stuff. Um, there's this Esther Perico I, I, I want to share uh, for anyone who ever been through like a, a low time uh, from her uh, How Works Up podcast. But um, this event is part of your origin story, but it shouldn't be a dominant theme. And so I just, you know, it, again, like maybe it's, it's that shift of mindset that like, this is, this is not the dominant theme failure. That a big F is not the theme of your life. It's just part of your, your origin story or part of your life portfolio. Um, um, life portfolio coined by my, my girlfriend, Pim. So the, yeah. then you, you, you interview, and this is before COVID, you get a job. I guess I can say where you worked. Yeah, at Deloitte. <laughs> at Deloitte. So you went from huge to Deloitte and then... Um, and you were, what was your title? You were going in, and I remember one of the first things you were like, wow, I'm presenting to the client this week. And I mean, and, and you didn't think mm. you were you were coming in at maybe that level. You didn't, you thought somebody else would be doing this. But this is one of those ways that I've seen you like push into something yeah. where, again, this could be a risk, but you're like, hey, they think I can do it. I yeah. think I'm just going to go with this. I'm going to push yeah. it. That's yeah, big. Totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it just took that a little bit. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to present to the clients, but I so I, I started a new job uh, after that season of vacation and re-energizing myself. And I, I accepted a job at Deloitte just as a designer there. Um, and they put me on this really cool project that I read, which I can share, but I can't. But um, I thought going in, I was just going to sit back and just 
just kind of follow commands. But when I saw the needs for a, you know, a more organized design system or you know, uh, the way we work and a, you know, pr a better product design cycle, I, was, I just like, I couldn't just sit back. I just had to like say something. And so I, I'm glad it, it put me, my, I am glad I put myself out there and you know, contribute my, my past experience there uh, because it did allow me, uh, I became like the design system guru at Deloitte afterwards you know a lot of people just like want to poke my brain about that i was like oh yeah so you could do like this and that and so it led to other opportunities to for me to teach other teams of how to better their their product um and better you know the way better how they work together and how they build something and hand things off and so i i thought again yeah like i thought i was going to be sitting back and chill but like there was a need there and i just you know, I raised my hand and said, hey, I can help out. And I, from all of that, I, I was able to gain a trust um, and be the point person from um, by my creative directors and art directors to like, um, to, to, to help out. And so, yeah, it's it was def definitely something with a surprise to me, but um, it was definitely an honor just to, you know, be put in that kind of position. So did you have to do that pep talk, slap your face before you went in that morning? Or did you go like to the bathroom before you were presenting <laughs> and kind of pep yourself up? Yeah, no, I, I, I learned to stop like patting my face because it got too swollen. And so um, I, I, I learned this other tip from a product, product manager is crunch your toes while talking. And I, I guess I just... Uh, I, I think that just helps you just be more calm while presenting and thing. It just um, one one thing one one of my one step I one thing I do in my prep work is writing down my script, whether pencil paper or you know if you're a notepad kind of person on a keyboard. Um, it's nice just to just pour out your thoughts and you know what is your thinking behind your work. Um, there's this quote by Einstein: um, "If you can't explain it uh, simply, you don't understand it well enough." And so um, writing helps uh, just really synthesize and you know, turn all your six paragraphs of thoughts into maybe a one paragraph of thoughts. And then verbally it becomes, you know, a couple sentences of, uh, of, of thoughts. And so that's just how I process and how I, I just, I need to kind of prep for presentation and talks. Okay, so one of the things I love, we don't have that much time left, so I wanna make sure we get this in. So you, um, you had tons of your work behind you. It was like the skateboard, but I never knew that you had done it, right? So you're super humble. And how did you set up your space for doing, because now you're not at Deloitte, now you're at JP Morgan and Chase. And how did you, um, how do you set up yourself, get yourself psyched up for doing interviews or meetings with people? Um, because if you're not, if you're not great at talking about yourself, you, you are, yeah, great talking and explaining your work, but in an interview, you really have to be able to like hone in about what is great about you, right? And how you could fit or how you could solve problems. Can you talk a little bit about physical space, but also about just psyching yourself up for Zoom yeah. interviews? You're kind of seeing a live demonstration right here, like a lot of hand gestures, a lot of like, I'm even trying to be mindful of like, I want to stay centered to this like camera and even like looking at the camera or in, in proximity, I think um, that's really helpful. Um, also, I mean, I, I dress, try to dress like you still going to a job, you know, we're still home. Like I have pants on today, you know, um, you just gotta, gotta feel prepared. I feel like, uh, feel like gold, I guess, um, and ready. Um, I have a crap, has something else. Um, I think smiling helps or just like, just showing some sort of emotion. You know, I think compared to being in a conference room where you could just be so low and 
maybe that those under the tone uh, noise get passed by. But now we have little, little microphones here and here and stuff. Everything get picked up, and so you, it's it's a new type of like I guess uh, emotional intelligence to learn in a virtual space of like how to respect one another and like, hey you go and then you go. You grew up in there like the whole hey you're on mute. Oh, oh, sorry. You go. You go next. No, you go. Kind of thing. Um, it's really uh, you really have to get creative. Of like, now you're not pacing back and forth. I'm just I'm, I'm just sitting in this chair, and so I'm, it's all about up here, and we really trying to you know dominate this 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 square of a thumbnail that we we are all in now. Um, in terms of like just like I think we were talking about like people and I guess kind of building relationship and trying to be just a good team player. Um, I I, I wrote I had this note to self. Um, in my own journal of like three things I think about was relating, um, talking to your team and function with the team. And so, you know, relate to the team, you know, someone bring themselves to you, be an active listener and see what your teammate is trying to get at, you know, talk to your team. I think this could be a straightforward, it's a straightforward approach, but it's something that we do every other day. Just, just be human just talk to one another and now see what, what those two um, uh, function how do you function? You have to know how to manage the time, how to keep others inspired, keep yourself inspired, trusting your intuition. And so I try to keep those three things in mind um, when interacting with people and building relationships, especially in this remote space. Okay, so Matt has a question. I wanna make sure I get it. And then I wanna ask you about your design journal. That this, this is kind of like helping you reflect and go through, but let's answer um, Matt's question first. So what would you say to new designers who are beginning their journey um, or trying to find and trying to find clients, make a living, finding their way, um, what risks do they need to take? And I, it could be somebody mm -hmm. new to being on their own or somebody yeah. who's, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a 22 year old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, Matt's question reminded me of my, my mentee who I'm helping out still like right now, he's, he's a emerging designer, he graduated during this pandemic this past winter and um, I'm trying to get him into this industry. And so one thing I'm doing for him or you know, I think any new designer should do is network. And I know networking in a virtual space is, could be challenging, could be hard since, you know, we're on one Zoom and another Zoom and, you know, still on a computer. But um, I, I feel like that's the only way we still uh, put ourselves out there, additional to having an online presence and you know, showing off your work. And um, and so I've been trying to, I, for him, I've been bringing my friends to speak to him and give him advice. And he's, you know, he's uh, sharing his portfolio with them to, put it under their radar in case there's an internship opportunity ready. Um, but like, like high level, like networking is one, uh, is one thing. Um, if, if they're, if he's, if they're still willing, willing to grow and look for opportunities, like I cold calling email to agency, to folks, to somebody at a place, or even like someone like a Diane or you like Matt, like they should just feel like, uh, not be afraid to reach out. I think we're like, again, we're human, you know, we're, we might be a little delayed in that response, but uh, if we see and understand that someone is like, hey, I, I want to do what you do. Uh, I, I'm from this kind of background. How can I get there? You know, I think even each other sharing our knowledge, it's, it's, it's helpful. And um, let me ask you this question about, so in this turnover, and I don't know exactly when you started this um, Dear Design Letter to Self, Surviving the Design World, mm -hmm. but I want you to talk about how this project has helped you face some of these hard times. Yeah, yeah. So I have a, a journal for myself called Dear Design, colon, Surviving the Design World. And this was more like a letter to self, a letter to a younger me. 
and maybe one day I'll publish this thing. It definitely is more catered to like immersion designers of just like the how to um, be a designer kind of thing than one of many books that's out there, but at least from my own perspective, my own lens. Um, going back to what I was talking about writing, um, writing for presentation, writing about my own story um, and about how I got through something, how I got through a layout of how I build my portfolio or how do I network. Uh, my dear design is my way of just uh, synthesizing my thoughts and in, in a journal. And so I, I have it, yeah, just an ever-growing document. And I have just like a lot of like categories or subjects I want to write about. But um, yeah, um, writing is great. Writing, I know I don't do it enough, but and I should do more, but it's, it's great to, even, for me, my consumer, my potential reader is like a younger me. And so what would me want to hear? Um, and, and now I think about, okay, someone that looks like me, how could they digest this? And so it's not public, it's still personal, but yeah. Um, but it design. helps you, it helps you mm -hmm. process, but then it also helps you as you are mentoring people or talking to people and you, yeah. you can give um, yeah. encouragement and, because you've thought yeah. about it. Yeah, and I, I, I turned some of my writing engine to like a simple Google slide and I just, I would share it to my mentee. And, um, and so I hope it helps some. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, once it's more refined, I, I hope to turn it to I know, a blog or talks in the future. But it, it's, it's nice to have that collection of writing. Okay, so I wanna ask you two more questions. Hopefully we can get them done within. Mm -hmm. We started a little late, so maybe we'll get an extra yeah. three minutes out of you, um, hopefully. So um, I wanna know about how you build trust with a team, so a new team. So you're going into mm -hmm. Deloitte or you're going into JP Morgan and Chase. How do you build that? But it's this is it the same as you do with a client because i know that at huge you had people who were like oh man we are so sorry to see you go you know and it was just times probably they maybe had they had a insight into what was coming who knows yeah. but um but like how do you do that how would you tell me like diane you need to make sure is it is it just about these these physical skills uh and the uh, emotional intelligence physical uh reading body language and things like that Actually, I mean, my the answer is like kind of similar to I, I did what I do before. It's like that that little three step of fully talk and function. Um, I did, I would also add that like um, along with our own technical creative skills, um, these people skills are just as creative or just as important, and something that we, we definitely need to hone and practice more and more. And so I kind of still practice those three things I said earlier about relating and talking and function, and um, at least with with colleagues compared to clients, I could be a little more personal and like be a little more human and um you know if you hear a little disgruntledness in their voice or see kind of just see like their energy they're bringing is kind of love like you know um maybe ask if hey how's things going how are you feeling are you overworked or do you need more resources you know do you need a pep talk or something and so um yeah but building relationship is it's just it's, it's also a, a creative skills to to uh, build up and improve on on a daily basis Okay, so what about when you're, um, and this may be very similar, I realize these two questions are very similar, and you've kind of answered these, but I kind of just want to break it down if we mm -hmm. can. And I do want to talk, see if you have faced any discrimination based on your age or uh, race, or um, yeah. I, I think about like in, if say you're in a new, you're in a meeting with a client, and mm -hmm. you're the one that's, that's leading the charge. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's just a meeting with just you and your team and you have yeah, an idea yeah. and you want to sell that idea to the team. Like, I think we should do this. Or even mm -hmm. some people have a hard time just sharing it. It's not even yeah. like, hey, we got to do this. But it's just even putting that idea out there. So these are yeah. all things that we all go 
uh, go into. Yeah. So yeah. is there other prep? Do you write it down like a script like you would if you were doing yeah. a presentation with a client so that you are thinking yeah. about what what things they might come up that might be a uh, like they might say this or they might say this like you're prepping like you would be if you were a lawyer? Yeah, um, for me, like this, so like, yeah, this one is more of just a shift of mindset. Like, um, yeah, and, and I, I was, I, I wasn't personally discriminated by my race before, definitely age, I felt like sometimes. Um, I, I, I like to flip that lens or flip the situation and how I perceive the situation as I, the growing up and, you know, from my art school to even some of the patch up I've had, it wasn't a very diverse environment. So the world around me or the places I was at wasn't really, it felt like it wasn't built for me. And so instead of like kind of seeing it as a disadvantage or being dis- discouraged, I kind of flip it to like, hey, well, now I'm a, I'm a culture ad here. Um, instead of being a culture fit, like I'm not going to fit. It's like, I'm a, I'm a culture ad. And so seeing that as more of an advantage, advantage and see that like who I am is, unique and it's it's also a, a unique addition to the wider company story or mission or, or the team itself and so um i'd rather be a culture ad and try to be a culture fit mm, that's powerful okay so juan has a question juan's coming in from phoenix and he mm. says um this is sort of related to matt's question about what do you suggest as far as a develop uh, developing your design skills um, I know that you're always working on your skills. I'm always working on my skills too. Mm-hmm. But what if, so say it's a, a mom returning or somebody who's been doing something else and now they're, um, they're, they're focusing on, they're coming back into the industry and they realize, wow, there's all this UX UI. Or you've been a print mm-hmm. designer and now you're going to do more web or, or, or you're a print designer and now you're going to do more UX. It's making that pivot, making that. So I, I, I want to say, I don't know if that's what he's meaning, but I, I think that that's a, a, very realistic, a lot of us are there. So how do you make sure, how do you know when your work is at a professional level? How would you tell him uh, or anybody if mm. to find and mm. or, or where it might be lacking? What would be some examples or things that you would tell him to do? I mentioned earlier, like my hand lettering was more just like a hobby and just for fun and like a passion project. I mean, passion projects are one way to learn and grow and really just you, you're your own like, I guess, blocker or you know, challenger here. But I know in the professional setting, you, uh, it's, it's just kind of different, but like, um, I felt like I was also kind of hard at my dream agency because also my hand lettering skills, because it come in handy later that like, there was this marketing uh, project and some of the work was on hand lettering and I stepped up and like, hey, hey, art director, I look at my Instagram, I do this kind of stuff too. And I was part of the project and I was, I'm thankful to, um, you know, contribute and like use what I do at night in my daytime. You know, I'm like, I was literally with paint and a brush and like drawing letters for a, a Instagram post. And like, this is cool. This is great. And so I, I, I think, I don't know, I think about a couple of things of like, whether it's just proof in the pudding of what you can do or um, show that you want to be a, a sponge and want to learn. And hopefully, you know, your, your company could at least pay for education or, or spare the time to like, hey, I'm going to allocate, you know, 10 hours next week into learning this and with the hope that like I'm going to contribute this, these learning skills into this project. Um, uh, again, we try and be better than the person the day before, right? Could, would you also suggest maybe they um, get somebody who they admire to yes. meet with them on a regular basis so that they can get some feedback mm-hmm. on um, either whether yeah. where their design skills need some refining and maybe they pick different people, one as a typographer, yeah. one as an illustrator, one as a if, if they can't find it all in one person? 
you're hitting the net. You read my mind. I don't think I need to. Yeah, no. Then like the other one is finding peers or finding uh, someone to review your work and tell you like it's just up to standards. You know, uh, creating that accountability is also important. And, you know, if I know passion product, you kind of become your own echo chamber and you just like point stuff out and this is just for me. But you know, if you really want that passion product to be more reality, talk to folks who are doing it. You know, do what you that. Um, who are doing it and then ask them like can you review can we talk you know even asking other friends that might be there or even like, having a collective of folks to like kind of give you that real talk and you have to really be like humble to like, accept you no know, critical feedback but know that it's coming from a good place and know that you know anyone that you seek advice from they want to see you do your best and be your best and really do what you do what you, you love I wasn't planning on this because I didn't know this question was coming, but this is something that I do. But I think that you can figure out, you can build your own little thing, but I do a mastermind group and it is exactly that. So for 12 weeks, you have a goal. And if you're trying to improve a skill, you have to present that skill every third week. And it's with these people who love you. They might not know you yet, but they love you and they want you to grow. They don't see you as competition. I know Matt's been in it and Doc's been in it and Jacob's been in it. Um, that are here. I know Brian White's been in it as well. And so it's, and to me, having something like that where, and Maura's here, she's been in it too. It, and, but what's best is if you can get people who you, um, you appreciate, right? And that they can also give you feedback. I think if you can get one person, it's fine. But if you can get a group that will meet with you, you're going to give them feedback and they're going to give you feedback. I actually think that it's really nice to have both sides because then you also see things that in other people that also give you confidence. Rex, I know you've done this. You see this as you have mentees, right? You're like, oh, wow, I wish I would have known that. And it may be like, oh, I didn't know people didn't know that. And then you realize you might have the superpower that other people other people didn't have. Or, or Matt, he'll see something in somebody's illustration that they just need to tweak. But because he's done it for 40 years or, you know, he's been drawing and he knows this it's just second nature to him, but it's not mm -hmm. second nature to me. And so I think having a safe place to present, I, I don't think the internet is, um, I don't think sharing yeah. it on Instagram is a great place to ask for feedback. I think you really need a safe place, but these are things mm -hmm. you can build on your own. Just like Raxa said with, with your peers, I know some of my students have done this after they've graduated. They've had like these alumni groups that meet once a week um, and I just think that doing something like that, having a focus goal, I call it power station and I'll be getting uh, applications later in the week. But if you get on design recharge, uh, if you get on the email list, I'll send you a link and just check it. It'll not be on Tuesday it'll, it, or Wednesday when I send that, but that's what it is. So, oh, there we go. Jacob just did it. Um, but anyway, I do think that those things are important. I wanted that you have mm -hmm. one more question that was so good that I just can't let go without it. Um, what have you done, and you've gone over this the whole talk really, but what have you done to prepare yourself to take, be willing and okay to take more chances? Is it like you do little things like you try new foods every day or you try new things once a year or like, what is it that we could do in our life so that we can be more willing to be risk tolerant instead of risk averse? Mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to remember this quote from like an Australian athlete. 
that I had written down. Um, and I don't even follow sports, but um, it's you. I think we shouldn't see success as just one massive thing. I think we need to see uh, success and wins, even at the little things on a daily basis. You know, uh, because all those little wins, all the little build-ups, the little building blocks. Um, you know, at the end of the year, it's it's gonna be one big win. Um, but we can't just think of just in one day or in 24 hours, like this is going to be the the big challenge, a big risk and success that as a Tigers risk, this is the outcome. You know, I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to be like number one at the top of, I don't know, something. Um, and so I, you know, I recommend the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. You know, you, your your development should be in like, I want like, you know, you're working on one little bit. You can't just do 100% in one day. I think you really have to like make it more specific and, uh, tangible um, because if you try to if you're too ambitious then you I think you could burn yourself uh, and I, I have my moments where I am too ambitious and then what, what I sacrificed was I don't know, sleep or what I sacrificed is my health and so you really have to balance it all but you know uh, you have to understand that identify the, the little accomplishments as a big wins um, well, and, yeah. and something that I know that uh, two people and Paul has done this and Shane has done this is they have um, written sometimes if we have to-do lists, I'm like you, I like to check things off a box, but if you're only just checking things off a box and you're not, because there could be like, Oh my gosh, I got nothing done today. Mm. But maybe at the end of the day or at the end of the week, you say, wow, I learned this this week. I learned this this week. I learned this this week. It may not have been, I couldn't have gotten five boxes checked off. I only got one box checked off. But by the end of the week, now I realize, wow, I had to learn this new thing. And now these are new skills you can either put on your resume or you can talk about. And I think being able to do that is is really critical in getting new clients or new jobs that you are very much like a sponge and you're willing to learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we need to like kill or remove the idea of like failure or, or remove the idea of that like I am, I am setting myself back. No, it's like... Like, okay, I didn't win, but I, what I did win was learning or, you know, something I didn't know before and be okay with that. Um, so I get, that is, I guess, more of a growth and abundance mindset right there. Go, yeah, no, in the more corporate setting, there's this thing called OKRs, you know, objectives and key results, you know, whether it's like you're setting up a, um, a certain thing you want to accomplish and what does that result look like? And so, um, you know, businesses do this all the time, whether it's per quarter or per year, just like, this is the goal, did we succeed? You know, and when they, when they do the task, achieve the goal, achieve the objective, what is the result? Did it match the expected key result? And so, you know, you could possibly do another personal OKRs for yourself. Yeah. Oh, and I think that the thing is, it has to be measurable. It's like, I need to be able mm -hmm. to do this within 30 minutes. Like if it used to take you two mm -hmm. hours, now I'm going to have this where I could come up with this or I spend 30 minutes doing this or I spend two hours doing it instead of 10 hours or something. So mm -hmm. I'm getting quicker um, with a tool or quicker with a concept, a concepting or ideation that you you find other things, but you it can't be like, I'm better. Or, and it has to be also no. something you, you can control. Like I can control yeah. putting work out on Instagram once a day, right? Maura did this hundred day project and she's never stopped. It's way more than a hundred days. She illustrates something every day, but yeah. sometimes it's important to do that with somebody. So accountability is real helpful to do in the beginning, yeah. but the, you can't say I'm going to get five new clients. No, you can talk to five new leads 
that's what you can control, but you can't uh, make somebody sign a piece of paper, I think. Braxton, mm-hmm. this has been great. We could, I could still, I mean, I feel like we like, it was like having Pim on here where we were like rapid fire. We were talking, she talked so fast and I talked fast and you were having to talk fast to try to get everything right. Um, yeah. You left us with so many really good things, way more than just slapping my face, I think, right? But I think <sighs> it's, a, it's this mentality of that you need those people. You need the people mm-hmm. around you. So you have Pim, you have your brothers. But I think that that's that part. You always have that that grounding bit um, of of what you you know these people love you. Yeah. And I think that that's super important. I want to let you answer this question, but I've also put in the chat and at the very top, if you're watching on YouTube or um, wherever you get your podcast, if you're looking for his links, they're right at the top of the thing down below or wherever it is on your podcast thing, but it's Raksa Yin, uh, R-A-K-S-A-Y-W, no, Y-W, no, there's no W, R-A-K-S-A-Y-I-N. What is wrong with me? Dot com. That's it. Yeah. And and you're underscore R-A-K-S-A on Twitter and yeah. um, Raksa Yin on LinkedIn and then underscore Raksa, which is amazing that you got that on Instagram. So super, super easy. I hope you guys will follow him, but if you want it, they're going to be underneath, or you can always check it out. All the links in the show notes will be at um, rechargingyou.com slash 385. But I'd love for you to answer what's next. And then also what is your greater purpose and how are you living that out today? Yeah. I'll answer that second one. The greater purpose one. Um, I, I really, I mean, my great, greater purpose is to inspire people uh, bring joy to their life and really don't be a jerk. Um, simply. <laughs> and what's next is, um, more passion project. Um, this, this job I have are cur- currently is still kind of new. It's, I am less than a year in and I'm, I'm stepping into bigger shoes and we'll see where things go. Um, so far I've gotten good feedback and, you know, me trying to be a, a, a leader at the company and at my work. Um, hopefully I'll write some more about their design and maybe it'll go public. You know, keep me accountable. Maybe I'll follow up. And I do have like a dear design equivalent to my music side. And so my love for music. And so writing about that too, but, uh, yeah, more, more, more passion projects, more growing in the day to day. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I see everybody on the internet or anywhere. <laughs> or at creative South, hopefully we get to yeah. be in person next April and, um, but Raxa, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming and doing this with me finally and yeah. for being humble, but also being willing to just put yourself out there and saying yes, instead of just saying I'm not enough or so it's really, really, really inspiring for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, everybody, you are enough. You're more than enough. And um, I hope you have a good day. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>